Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon at Fountain City Church. We hope that you are blessed by this message today. If you'd like to learn more, you can check out our website at fountaincity.org. All right. A couple years ago, I met this guy, Brandon McKenzie. And uh, Brandon, if you have ever been around him, he has this tenderness and he's a fellow introvert, so I kind of understood him off the get. Um, but Brandon's got this heart and this desire for prayer. I kind of met him and knew about he and his wife through Teen Challenge years ago, but didn't really know them. Um, and it has been such a pleasure to have you guys as part of our church family. I can say that you have added a tremendous amount of the spirit and just heart and passion for what Jesus is doing, not just here, but in our city uh, Brandon serves as the overseer for Harvest House of Prayer, and Christina runs um, the Harvest Coffee House. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you this morning that God sends missionaries here so that he can pour into and send missionaries out. And I really believe that God has sent you guys here to help equip the body and to send people out. And so would you guys give a warm welcome to Brandon McKenzie as he comes this morning. Well, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I just welcome uh, your spirit all across this room into this uh, service. Holy Spirit, I, I just love you. God, I, I, I don't want to say one word if it's for my glory, God, but I just want you to have the glory. And uh, so, God, just fill, fill me. God, let me say uh, what you want to be said. And I pray that this word would just make contact with hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hello. I'm Brandon McKenzie. Uh, so I just came back from D.C., and I wanted to kind of update you for, for those of you that know uh, Ashley Mealy. Um, we had an amazing, uh, just uh, God sort of orchestrated this thing where she had moved there, I think, like a day before we went or something like that. Uh, we were on a missions trip there equipping uh, YWAM students in evangelism at uh, Take the City. We, we went there. Um, and Ashley Mealy just right, we connected her with these group of girls at YWAM, and she just fit right in, and she just misses you guys. Um, wanted to say that, that she misses y'all. And I just kind of wanted to share that because I thought it was so cool. Like, what a God thing, you know. Um, so last week, I, I sort of started at the end of uh, last week, started to get uh, a little, like, allergy thing going on. And so all this weekend, I was just like, God, do you, is this like a thing where my body's telling me I need to slow down and not preach? Or is this, should I tell Grant? Like, I don't know, like, starting to freak out. Should I give him a heads up? Like, and I just felt this urgency. I felt the Lord tell me, no, this is, you need to fight through this. You need to give this word. Um, because how many of you know, uh, we are in a dark hour in the earth. Uh, there's, in the, in the Ukraine right now, just all the situation with Russia and Ukraine, uh, even in the States, there's this feeling, this underlying feeling of something is stirring. Um, and I don't know if you could feel it, but it's, it's, it's like a spiritual darkness is kind of coming into the earth. And right now, I just believe we're in a time in the body of Christ where God is literally handpicking people in the body and raising them up as intercessors that would stand on the wall. Uh, the Bible talks about all throughout the Old Testament into the Old Testament, watchmen he's raising up to stand on the wall and cry out day and night. And I just believe even in this generation, um, God is, is raising up young ones. Uh, we're seeing young people in, in the Harvest House of Prayer being raised up. They get it. Uh, they don't need a lot of teaching. It's like, it's like already in their heart uh, that they would minister to the Lord day and night, get into his presence. Um, and I know that I'm speaking to a kind of diverse audience right now. And um, I'm just going to share what the Lord has showed me uh, in the past couple years. You know, 
my wife and I, we were, we were in Orlando Teen Challenge uh, serving there. And we were rooted there a couple of years ago in, in 2020. We were, we were really long-term vision. We were not going to go anywhere. We had a call on our lives to serve people in recovery ministry. Um, and, and we were going to be there forever, right? We were, we were really going to be there forever. We, and, and God just really quickly, COVID-19 happened in, in March of 2020. And every door just kind of slammed in our face. Um, and, and so we were panicking. We didn't know what to do. We really just, the only thing we knew what to do was to pray. Um, and, you know, there were three choices that we had. Two of those choices were other teen challenges, other uh, recovery ministries that we thought we could serve at. And then there was this other black sheep over here called Take the City um, in Columbus, Georgia. We put Take the City on the last stop. We're like, you know, it's definitely going to be Bonifay uh, in Florida or it's definitely going to be Griffin, uh, Georgia. It was Juvenile Boys uh, Teen Challenge. We're like, we'll, we'll check out Take the City kind of as like a last stop on our journey. Um, and, but surely he probably isn't going to call us to take the city. We really feel Teen Challenge. We just believe Teen Challenge um, because we love Teen Challenge. We really felt like God gave us a heart for that. It was, it was in our hearts. Um, but really quickly, we came into this little coffee shop on 2nd Avenue in Columbus. Um, we walked through the coffee shop, and Andrew is just talking to me um, and casting vision for what he sees happening in this little room. Um, we walked through the coffee shop. The door's open. I see this prayer room. Um, and I could feel the presence of God. Um, and I, I just, I know that feeling. How many of you have ever walked in a room and you feel a shift? You just feel like there's something different in the atmosphere. And uh, in this little room, I just felt the presence of the Lord. And I just basically immediately, and I, I waited for, for Christina to kind of, I said, Lord, I know, I'm pretty sure this is where you're calling me. Uh, but I gave, I gave the Lord like three days to let Christina speak up. And like, she spoke up pretty quickly. Okay, we're called here. Um, and so if you don't know, there are thousands of ministries just like Harvest House of Prayer um, that are called to one thing. They're not called to anything else except for to minister to the Lord day and night, um, to have persistent prayer going, um, even on a corporate level. You know, I just, I just believe that there are many even in this room. Um, as, I, as I begin to share, as I begin to share this word that God's put in my heart, it's going to connect with you. Um, and so, yeah, God just sovereignly uh, moved us. And I just really quickly, when I was started to direct this prayer room, I started to meet other leaders, young leaders uh, in their late 20s, early 30s, that God was literally hijacking. They were in the missions field. Um, they were, you know, serving at, at another ministry. And God just sort of sovereignly plucked them up and, like, totally changed the narrative on them within a day or two. Um, and it's this phenomenon that I'm seeing happening, happening in the earth. Um, so I believe God is raising up light, like light bears in the darkness, um, because God sees it's going to get darker, okay? This, what's happening in the Ukraine, is gonna, it's going to affect us, and we're already seeing it's affect us, and I'm not trying to, like, put fear taxes. I'm just being realistic that there is a wave coming that the Bible talks about where darkness is going to get darker, but the church is going to shine, and I believe the way the church is going to shine is through persistent prayer, persistent prayer on a corporate level, okay? Not just us in our prayer closets, but I believe in the future, we're going to begin to see houses of prayer. Right now, we're like the weird uh, entity in Columbus where we're doing this, but I believe there's going to be eight. Other, I've been asking the Lord, God, raise up eight other prayer rooms, eight other houses of prayer. Um, when, my, when Andrew was giving us, uh, my, my boss, my employer, the beginning of the year, he said, come up with a big goal that you can't do alone. 
um, because the idea was is that it would stretch me, uh, but it would, it would be something that, that I would have to depend on God for. And the only thing I could write on the piece of paper was, God, would you raise up eight other houses doing this um, so that I'm not the only one doing this? Like, so I, and I've just, I just been praying, God, raise up eight other houses of prayer, other prayer rooms. And I just believe that's the beginning, but right now that's my target. God, raise up eight other places that house the glory of the Lord through persistent worship and intercession burning for this man, Jesus Christ, okay? Um, and so why do we want to do persistent prayer? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go in, and I'm going to zoom in and sort of say, why is persistent prayer important in your life, like on an individual level? And then I kind of want to zoom out and give us a broader picture um, of why do we, Fountain City, want to do persistent prayer? Um, so persistent prayer is a commandment from God, okay? There are 20 times in the New Testament where God literally commands uh, to pray fervently, pray persistently, pray without ceasing. Uh, and 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing, uh, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Okay, so that's like a commandment we can't get away from. Jesus said it, right? Like, there's nothing we can do about this. He said to pray persistently. Um, and so Luke 18, uh, verses 1 through 8, it says, then uh, the, the first reason I want to give is he answers persistent prayer. How many of you have ever seen you prayed for something and you didn't quit and God came through and he gave you like a tangible answer to your prayer and it kind of blew your mind a little bit? So that's a reality, guys. And, and we, when we pray persistently, God answers prayer, like materially, spiritually, he gives us blessings uh, when we don't give him any rest, when we continue to pray without ceasing. We're continually pressing in. We're, we're not beggars, but we just believe in a God who answers prayer. So we just stand in faith and pray uh, fervently and persistently. So Luke 18, uh, verses 1 through 8, Jesus told his disciples a parable uh, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Um, and I just want to say this about this verse is God is not saying he is like the unjust judge. Okay, God is using this as not a comparison, but a contrast. If this unjust judge gives in to persistent prayer, like persistent annoyance, right, of the widow knocking on the door, how much more uh, will God answer to, to his elect speedily? And so I just want to kind of give you a picture of how the father is. This is not comparing the father to an unjust judge. It's just saying if, if that judge will answer prayer, you know, how much more will God? Um, and so when we think of persistent prayer, we think of persistently asking God for things. Uh, petition is only one part of prayer, and I'd like to paint a much broader picture for you today of what it looks like to actually live a lifestyle of persistent prayer. The following reasons why persistent prayer is important uh, to you uh, is, is unto this end. So it's unto painting a, a bigger picture. Um, and so God shares his heart with us. The second reason is God shares his heart with us and increases the quality of our relationship with him. 
You know, in, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus visits Mary and Martha. Martha is distracted with serving, but Mary of Bethany uh, seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. That's the amplified version. You know, give me a second. I got a cotton mouth and I need to have some water, so... so hard for me to segue to stuff like that. <laughs> Just watching me drink water. Uh, so in short, <laughs> Mary was in love. And I remember when I first met, I'm going to put Christina on the spot. She hates this. But there's a picture on our wall um, where I'm at my wedding day and I have this grin on my face. You know, and many people would see that picture and be like, what's the grin about? And they don't see what I'm looking at. And that's the beauty of my bride. I was in love. Um, extravagant worship and prayer, unceasing prayer and worship is like that. If you just look at the manifestation, you won't get it. But when you see him, the response is, is evident. And the message version says it like this, that Mary sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. You know, Martha didn't get it. She saw Mary sitting before the master. She didn't understand because she couldn't see Jesus. She couldn't see the beauty of the Lord the way that Mary uh, saw this Jesus. You know, there was just something about Mary's relationship with Jesus um, that should provoke us to jealousy. It really should provoke us to, because any instance we see Mary of Bethany with Jesus and she's doing something that's uncommon and people are like, don't understand it. Jesus validates Mary openly, publicly, says, no, this is right. This is the one thing um, that's required and it's not going to be taken from her. So, so with people, uh, you know, I've just noticed that when my own, in my own life, you know, just being a, a house of prayer director, I deal with a lot of people. Um, and I just notice how, like, when I give people space and just listen, they tend to talk a lot. You know, they just tend to share their hearts, like, when you give people space to listen. And I'm, I'm an introvert, like Grant said, so people just tend to talk. It's, it's just honoring them. And, and when you honor someone like that, just giving them space to talk, they share their hearts with you. You know, we need to learn how to give Jesus uh, space to talk. Like, persistent prayer is not just asking God for things. It's not just knocking on the door and asking, seeking, knocking. It's loving someone deeply, giving him space, sitting at his feet, hanging on every word that he speaks. Because if he doesn't speak, you will die. How many of you have ever felt like that about Jesus? Like, God, I just need you to speak. I, not only do I need you to speak, I prefer uh, you speak instead of me just coming to you with all these words. God, just speak. And uh, in my experience, you know, I just in my own life, learning how to pray persistently, learning how to build a lifestyle of prayer and worship, it has been 90% seated at the feet of Jesus, just like Mary's doing here, and just giving him space, like, to speak. And I feel like a lot of people kind of check out when you're, like, five minutes in, ten minutes in, but you got to give him time because we're the ones who's distant. We're the ones who who need to wait on the Lord. And giving him that space is just, it's amazing how much he, he will speak uh, when we do that. And the third reason is we become like Jesus. Uh, the Bible highlights that the saints are transformed from glory to glory into the likeness of Jesus Christ as we behold him with unveiled faces. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
This is a principle that's all throughout the Bible, and I see it every day as we become what we behold. Um, I've observed it in my own life time and time again. I become what I behold. Um, so beholding beauty produces, this is something uh, Samuel Whitfield says in his book, Discipleship Begins With Beholding. Beholding beauty produces fascination, and fascination is the best way to transform a person. It's to be fascinated with Jesus in the place of prayer. So in all Jesus commanded us in the Sermon on the Mount, it will be impossible to conform to these standards unless we are fascinated, not with the sermon, but with the giver of the Sermon on the Mount. That is the secret, if there is one, beholding the God-man, Jesus Christ, becoming absolutely enamored with his beauty. This can only happen with a lifestyle of persistent prayer. David said it like this, one thing I ask from the Lord, this is, this is all I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and just to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. I just want to create space right now. I just say, God, you're so beautiful, and I just love you, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, that, Lord, we get to see you with the eyes of our heart. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing. God's beautiful. The fourth reason is it releases heavenly uh, destinies, callings, and assignments. Uh, there are many stories in the Bible and throughout church history where men and women of God are raised up in their callings only as a response to persistent prayer. One of my favorite stories is that of uh, David Wilkerson. Um, it took him 19 days of fasting and prayer to receive the call to go to New York City. How many of you know this story? David Wilkerson was a pastor in Pennsylvania, and he was, um, just felt like he was just like, kind of like my wife and I was called doing his thing, and God just calls him into 19 days of prayer. He gets convicted about watching his TV too much. He, he sells his TV and begins to pray, uh, and so it took him 19 days. On the 19th day, God speaks to him uh, powerfully through a Life magazine where he sees a bunch of boys on trial for murder, and um, this was the year 1958. And little people know this, that behind that was a man named Dick Simmons who prayed uh, the same, you know, for 19 days or more, crying out to God on the Hudson River that God would send laborers into New York City. Crying out so loud in the spirit, praying in tongues, that God would thrust forth laborers into New York City because he saw the crime wave, he saw the gangs, he caught a burden for these, these young guys in New York City that were being uh, raised up in gangs, and he, Dick Simmons, this man, cried out to God so loudly that the cops were called on him uh, trying to figure out what was going on because that's how loud he was crying out, travailing in the spirit. God, raise up laborers uh, for New York City. And over here in Pennsylvania, somebody who had never met David Wilkerson gets hit uh, with the power of God when he sees a Life magazine with boys on trial for murder. David Wilkerson gets thrust forth into New York City. He, he meets with this church. Uh, his church gives him the go-ahead. The board says, yes, go. This is God. He goes. He never makes contact with the boys on trial. Instead, there's a massive move of God uh, where young men and women are, are delivered from addiction through the power of God. A ministry called Teen Challenge is birthed from that. Okay, and there's stories like that all throughout church history where men and women of God are raised up in their destinies and their callings only because what? Because they prayed fervently and persistently. And my burden is, is as I look out at the church today, as I look out and I see people flooding into churches, do we pray enough? That took him 19 days. 
19 days to receive his destiny. 19 days. And God, I just, I just, that stirs me so much because what all of our destiny are we missing out on? Because we don't pray. We don't pray like we should. And I'm just like crying out, God, just give me two or three people that can catch this burden with me. And Pastor Grant, you know, that, that God would stir our hearts for prayer. And, what, and when, that, when you hear that story and stories like it, and you look across the city and there's so much need and there's so much crises, you know, why aren't we praying? Why are we just strategizing? Why do we have meetings and just try to strategize? Like, we should be crying out to God. If there's anything that the church showed us in church history is that the roots, the ancient roots from which we are birthed are prayer, intercession. Uh, you know, in early church history, men and women of, of God went to the deserts. They're called the desert fathers because there was so much distraction in the, earth, in the world that they lived in. They made a radical decision and went out into the deserts and started these places called monasteries where they would give themselves to prayer and fasting and worship. And because of that, kings and queens would visit these people to receive the wisdom from God because they were spending time with God, like Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus, just listening to God, hanging on every word that he speaks. That's powerful. I want that. I, I, I crave that. You know, I was, my testimony is I was, I was a drug addict, okay? I was given over to something greater than myself. I, I, would, I would not only fast uh, food, you know, I would, I would give my, my, all my money to it. I would sell uh, to get this thing that had my life in its grip. I, I, would, I would skip meals to feel the high more intensely. That's fasting. You know, tie 10%, I would go negative in my bank account. This is a worship issue. This is a prayer issue. When we don't pray and give God what he's worthy of, there's a vacuum in your life. And what comes in is what it immediately, the, the law of the vacuum, Andrew was talking about this last week. There's a scientific law of the vacuum that there's physical vacuums in creation in the universe where when that vacuum is taken out, it's a scientific law. Whatever is in that vacuum, immediately something comes in and fills it. There's no, lay, there's no delay in time, literally less than a millisecond. Something comes in and fills it. What vacuum is in our souls, in our spirit, man, in our lives that should be filled with the presence of God and the hunger of God and just, you know, it's our destinies. Other people depend on it. Other people are depending on us uh, spending vast amounts of time in prayer. You know, and it's, it's like, um, it, for me, when I first saw this, and many of you don't even know what I'm talking about when I say the house of prayer movement. But there's, there's houses of prayer in the earth today. You can go to uh, our, our house of prayer, and you're going to see one musician on the stage. You're going to see maybe one or two people in the room. The musician probably isn't even that great. <laughs> uh, the person looks into the room. They're like, what's going on here? What's, what's this about? You know? And it provokes. It's like a public spectacle. People don't understand it. But in heaven, that's what's going on all the time. Songs are being sung to Jesus. Uh, angels constantly uh, encircle the throne. Uh, the Bible says in Revelation, it says, day and night, they never stop saying. That's present tense. It's like you're getting a live stream glimpse into the throne room. They never stop saying right now at this very moment. They're crying out, holy, 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 worthy, worthy, worthy. And if that is the center of heaven, how much more should it be the center of the earth, the center of our cities, the center of our neighborhoods? Like, 
it shouldn't just be one musician, even though that's the reality and that's what I have to work with, right? I'm, I'm using what God gave me to work with because I feel called to it. But I'm just like, God, if I could just be honest with you, like, why aren't we praying more? Do we not see what's coming? Do we not know that God, this is God's will? We need to be ready. And people are going to be flooding into not cool churches. When the darkness hits, they're not going to be looking for the cool idea, the next trendy idea, or like, how cool do we look? No, they're going to be looking for substance. When they walk into the atmosphere, do they meet with Jesus? Is he in the room? Is he touching people? Do I feel something different about this place? And I believe this is a house that you're already, we are are already stewarding it. Well, but we need to not give up. And this is sort of like a corporate word that says, hey, you know what? The, The word is formation, right? We want to be formed. We want to be formed in discipleship. It's prayer, guys. It's, it's just prayer, and there's just no way around it. First Thessalonians, right there. Pray without ceasing. We need to be like crazy about prayer. We need to take it to the next step and say two or three times a day, seven times a day. Let's just get alone with God. Let's permit ourselves to love Jesus like Mary. Like, let's be extravagant. How many other things are we extravagant about? Why not just do that for Jesus? Why not just say, you know what? I'm just going to give it all, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give all of myself to Jesus in this place of prayer and worship. So how do we do it? How do we do persistent prayer? The answer is together. <laughs> That's the only answer. Uh, you know, 1 Thessalonians, I'm going to go back to the original scripture that I threw out, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. We forget a very important detail when reading Paul's epistles uh, all of these letters were written to bodies of believers in a city or region. This was a corporate command for us to offer up prayer, praise, and worship unceasingly. Jesus said his house is to be a house of prayer, Matthew twenty-one thirteen. This means that prayer is to be a fundamental part of who we are. If we go to the restaurant, the International House of Pancakes, you would expect to find pancakes, right? A lot of different kind of pancakes, so many variations of pancakes, like M&M's on pancakes. Like, wow, that should be what it is with prayer. When people walk into the church, there should be prayer meetings. There should be ways you can get involved on a corporate level, like with prayer and worship. That's what Jesus said. You know, right now we're, we're in a time where the parachurch ministry, I have a parachurch ministry. It's the house of prayer. And that's just, I believe that's only temporary. Because that's only unto the end that God would make his house a house of prayer, his church a house of prayer. You know, I just picture Jesus when he went into Jerusalem in that story. Um, he went there, like, I believe he, he fully went there expecting it to be a place where he can get in the presence. You know? And he went there, and it was like anything but. It was like corruption. They were selling stuff, they were, and it just sickened him. And he was going there expecting it, fully expecting it to be what his father said it would be, a house of prayer. And when he went there, there was just the law of the vacuum. You know, where there wasn't prayer, corruption came in and filled it. We've got to ask ourselves, what, what is filling the church today if, if we aren't identified mainly as a house of prayer? If we're just a house of sermons? If we're just a house of teachings, we're just a house of uh, uh, let's get together and let's just hang out. No, no, God wants to raise up hungry intercessors. 
And I just want to release some of you. I just feel like there's some in this room that have identified as that's not me. That's not, that guy does it, but I, I just don't get it. I just, I want to say if you're a believer, this is for you. Because there is no specific call for an intercessor in the Bible. There's only believers following Jesus. Jesus got up at the end of his ministry. He tells the disciples, go and disciple the nations. The disciples are standing there scratching their head. What does that look like? <laughs> How do we do that? Jesus says, oh, go and wait in Jerusalem. Don't do anything until you go to Jerusalem and just wait. What did they do? In my mind, this is what I think they did. They remembered what Jesus did the three years that he walked with them. When he got out of the water, I mean, immediately, being baptized by John the Baptist, what did he do? He thanked his father. You know, when, how many times did he tuck away and go somewhere on a mountainside and pray? So they, they automatically saw that Jesus, the secret to his success, how did he do all these things, was they automatically knew when he says wait, he means go and pray and go and worship, go minister to God. The book of Acts, they, they gather and they do just that. They gather and they pray and there's 120 believers in a room. And all they're doing is praying. Nobody's standing up and saying anything. They're waiting on his presence because they know this is a big mandate. They need the power of God. If Jesus needed it, they needed it. The spirit of God falls at Pentecost. There's tongues of fire that land on their head. The spirit of God is moving um, and Peter stands up and gives this amazing sermon. 5,000 are added to their number that day. Um, you know, it's just amazing. It's this show. It's like fireworks. People are watching. But notice that as you read in the book of Acts that the prayer meeting does not stop. It's a culture of consistent, perpetual intercession, worship, ministry to God. It never stops. And even throughout the, Old, through the New Testament, when we hit the book of Revelation, this is the book that mentions heaven the most. It's glimpse after glimpse after glimpse into the throne room. What are they doing? They're worshiping, worshiping incessantly. They can't get enough. They're just amazed. All they could say is holy, holy, holy. You know, there's, there are angels, literally. That's their whole assignment is to say he's holy. He's worthy. That's all they do right now. They've been doing it for billions of years. They'll be doing it for billions of years into the future. They're so gripped by the beauty of this man. All they could say is holy, 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 worthy, worthy, worthy. That should grip us. That should grip our hearts. That Jesus is not being worshipped at any second of the day in this city. Tears me apart. Because that's the standard that heaven gives. He's worthy. He's beautiful. He's beautiful. You know, when Mary breaks in and, and pours the alabaster jar on Jesus' feet, the rest of his disciples, this isn't even the Pharisees. This is the disciples. Look at her. And they ridicule her. And they say, why are we wasting something that could be used for ministry to the poor? Why are we wasting something that could be sold and used for the ministry? And Jesus openly rebukes the Pharisees and validates Mary. Because Jesus knows this is what's going to change the earth. This is what's going to feed the poor. Can we waste it on Jesus? What do we have? Let's give it. Let's give it to him. We're never going to be able to sustain ourselves in persistent prayer, our ministry, or the church, or anything, unless he is the main focus. If we're constantly focused outwardly and trying to do things for man, but he's neglected, he's the only one in the room who isn't being ministered to. 
Many times I go into a church, I go into a ministry setting, and Jesus is the only one not being ministered to. When he's the only one that matters. What does it look like to prioritize Jesus right now in this day, in this age? It's persistent worship, persistent prayer, persistent, unceasing, never stopping, every second. 24-7 is a restraint. I would give him 25-8. I would give him a million days. I would give him a billion days. And I'm just crying out, God, where's the generation that would be gripped, God, for unceasing worship, God, that we would host your presence. When a drug addict comes into a room, God, their, their, their chains fall away because you've been hosted well. Because you've been ministered to. And my heart's cry is that God would just make the entire church like this. I believe in the future houses of prayer and prayer rooms will be more common than gas stations. As heaven merges with the earth, we're going to see people are not even going to have to ask questions. They get it. Because when Jesus is fully here and his rule and reign is on the earth, nobody's going to have to ask the question, why are we wasting time worshiping? You'll see him. You'll get it. And right now, Mary was able to see it even when Jesus was not fully revealing himself for who he was. The eyes of her heart were opened, and she understood. She poured her oil out on the feet of Jesus. And I just believe that today there are many eyes that will be opened, even under the sound of my voice, that you'd see the vast worth of Jesus, the unending oceans of his glory, and that all you would want to do is sit at his feet, break open the alabaster jar, pour the oil out every second of every day. Right now, I would say my capacity to pray, honestly, to be in his presence in my spirit, man, it's something I've had to learn and glean and learn over time. And believe me, this does not come through teaching. This comes through practice of getting in his presence, of seeing who he is, encountering his love. Right now, I'd say I'm about, and this is an embarrassing fact, but I would say I'm about five, you know, five hours a week maybe, like, like good. And that might sound a lot to many, but I, I just want to give him uh, I want to be in his presence all the time. I want to be aware of what he's doing in my life. I want to be aware of his worth. I want to be aware of him because the Bible says he never leaves us or forsakes us. So if he's here all the time, I want to see him. Like, I, I want to know him fully. I never want to, one second to go by where he's neglected because he saved me. He saved me. And even if he didn't, he's still worthy, he's still beautiful. He's the only thing that's going to fill you anyway. It's his presence. You could come here and hear me teach and nothing's going to change. You could hear me preach and nothing's going to change. It's, it's his presence. And the way he becomes manifest in his city, the way we steward his presence, we host his presence. The Bible says it again and again is pray persistently. You know, and, and we're seeing it. We're, we are really seeing it happen. In 1999, you heard Brad speak uh, last weekend. 1999, there was an explosion of night and day prayer and worship. A man named Mike Bickle uh, was, was literally uh, basically forced by God to, to step out of his mega church that he was running. God told him, you're not going to do that. You're going to raise up young people that minister to me day and night. He's like, okay, you're crazy. And God basically worked it out to where he had to make that decision in September of 1999. He steps out. Um, they began in a trailer, a small little trailer in Kansas City, a handful of young people. Misty Edwards was one of those young people, if you know the name Misty Edwards. 
And they gave themselves to prayer. They gave themselves. This wasn't like a cool idea. There was a handful. Said, we're going to do 24 hours. It's still going today. You could literally go on your app, on your phone right now, and see live worship and prayer happening in Kansas City. That's mind-boggling. That's not a good idea. That's not a trend. They're gripped. God's doing something. And, and, and in the same month, September 1999, a man named Pete Gregg over in the U.K. was stirred when he visited Hernhut, Germany, and saw the Moravian campsite, uh, their, their site where they prayed uh, for 100 years. They prayed the Moravians in the 1700s. Literally, uh, same idea kind of hit this guy, Zinzendorf, Count Zinzendorf in Germany. Uh, you know, I just feel like we're supposed to pray. I feel like we're supposed to have hour-long prayer slots where people gather and they pray. And uh, it went 100 years where they never missed an hour. They, they prayed in these things called prayer towers. Um, John Wesley visited the Moravians as was, was marked and sent out as a missionary. Okay, that it was a powerful time, a 100-year prayer meeting. Pete Gregg was visiting them in, in 1999, the same year and the same month that Mike Bickle was launched out to start International House of Prayer in Kansas City. The thing blew up. Uh, churches just loved it. They flocked to it, and it's still going to today. They, they do it a little differently. It's prayer without worship. They have these boiler rooms where people have prayer stations, and they could set it up because the form is not important, right? It, it's the mission. It's the vision that God's releasing. The expression's going to look different. But in 1999, those two things happened. Those two men of God were launched out, and uh, that, was, that was amazing. So God is literally hijacking people into the prayer movement. Uh, it happened to me, happened to Christina, here we are, and we'll probably be doing it for the rest of our lives. Not my preference, but I'm starting to like it, so <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't have been my idea is my point. Like, I wanted to see, I wanted to preach. I saw myself as like a preacher, I'm just being honest. I wanted to see the, the power of God move in on people and just encounter people and, and really change people's lives with the preaching of the gospel. Um, but God has me tucked away, hidden in this little prayer room over on 2nd Ave. Most of the time, I'm just trying to cast vision and, and, and tell people to come pray with me. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> I pray all the time, and I ask other people to come help. So, and, uh, you know, I'm watching as it's happening here and in other places, even within Columbus, and God is stirring a passion for prayer here and now. How do we join this movement in a sustainable way? It's going to be his zeal, his worth, his beauty. His zeal, his worth, his beauty. It's not my zeal. Zeal for his house consumes him. Zeal for his house consumes him. And so we get in his presence. He starts dropping it on people's hearts. Hey, I burn for this. I want to see heavenly worship and prayer released on the earth. I, I just, I, will you do this? Will you help me? Like, will you join? And he'll do it kindly. He'll do it gently. And eventually he, he'll ask you so many times, he'll just wear you down. Talk about persistent prayer, right? Thanks a lot, Jesus. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Encourage, uh, I want to encourage you to us as a body to start where we are. How can we do this? Maybe many of you just checked out and you're like, I don't get it. That's cool. But those of you that do hear what I'm saying, I'm just a loud guy with a microphone. But the Spirit of God is speaking, I believe, in this day and in this hour. And I believe what's happening at Harvest House of Prayer in Fountain City is just the beginning. We're going to need to be a people of prayer. We're going to need to, literally. We're going to need it. We're going to need to learn what it means to persistently pray, host his presence. Let's just all, can we just do this? Like this month, can we just say we're going to come to the Wednesday night prayer meeting to, at Fountain City? We're going to get behind Pastor Grant. 
We're going to get behind Roman and the team here, and we're just going to come and we're going to pray. Can we do that? Can we just look at our calendars and say, one night, one Wednesday night, we're going to come together, we're going to pray. Let's do it, guys. Let's do it together. Like, let's build a corporate altar. Let's build a place where he can dwell because he's doing something here. I don't know if you've noticed, but the worship here has been amazing. That's not just, like, because the musicians are getting together and learning cool songs. No, that is the Holy Spirit confirming what he's doing. And if we just neglect it and we don't steward it well, it's gonna, it'll die. And it, we need people. God needs people to work on the earth. Let's do that. Let's just look at our calendars. And, like, Christina and I, we're going to come up here. Another way you can get involved, shameless plug, here it comes. Come to Harvest House of Prayer. Amen. <laughs> and, Yeah. So I just appreciate you guys listening to me rant for that long. So, Grant, I'm done. <laughs> hey, if, uh, if you feel stirred that the Lord is actually calling you to the place of prayer, and um, I was one of those, Brandon, I'd have never felt like prayer was a place where I thrived or <laughs> specifically felt like comfortable even. Uh, and this year, it feels like the Lord has really turned a dial um, and invited us in deeper. And if that's you and you're just saying, you know what, I haven't been there, or maybe the Lord is stirring that same thing in me, I, I want to give myself to prayer to Jesus, to ministry to Jesus. If that's you, would you just stand to your feet? It's a dangerous thing to stand up on a Sunday morning. The call is for everyone. I'm going to ask Brandon just to pray for that spirit of intercession to rest on us. Lord, I just ask you, Holy Spirit, right now, would you just stir us? Stir us, God. God, as in the days of old, just remind us where we come from. Remind us. Remind us, Holy Spirit, that this is what we're called to do, is to sit at your feet and to waste our time on you, to waste our resources on you, to give everything to you. God, as an act of worship, and I even pray right now that you would open eyes in this room to see you. I just remove all presumption that we've seen you. The Bible says that we, there's a scripture that says we thought we were all together like him, or he all together was like us, and we just say, God, you're not like us. You're completely other than. I just ask that the veil be lifted, God, and what we would see you for who you are, God. I just pray for that you would pierce us, Lord, for this this mandate, God, that you're releasing all across the earth, Lord, to worship unceasingly, to pray unceasingly. Holy Spirit, I, we'll give it. We'll give it all. Whatever you say, we say, yes, we're going to do it. Because this is where you're headed, God. And this is where you're, what you're doing, And Lord. So we just, I just ask you, Lord, even those that would consider themselves um, outside of this whole thing of worship and prayer. God, I pray that those would be the ones you raise up, Lord, those least suspecting uh, to be raised up. God, I just pray that you would raise up prayer room directors in this place. God, houses of prayer uh, coordinators, Lord, intercessors, God, worship leaders, Lord, Levites that can release the presence and the power of God through song. I just pray for dancers, Lord, that can dance prophetically and release the presence of the Lord. God, I pray for the paint, the painting, Lord, uh, those in the arts, Lord, that you would give them uh, supernatural anointing, God, to release your presence in the earth through the arts, Lord. I just thank you for all the, the destiny that's on this church family, the spiritual family. And I just pray that every single bit of it would come to pass through our yes, 
Not through, not through yours, God, but through ours, partnering with yours. Our yes, partnering with your yes, Lord. So we just say, do it, Lord, even this next week. Lord, let us spend more time with you. Let us schedule it. Let us get it on our schedule. We're going to come and sit before you again like we used to. And uh, just let our hearts burn again, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you'll be seated, give me 20 seconds. Everybody got 20 seconds for me? Okay. Uh, So, Brandon, thank you, guys. Y'all give it up for Brandon. Give him a round of applause. Sharing his heart. I really believe the Lord is starting to cultivate and give us vision and clarity about what he's calling us to as a church and how this expression really unfolds for us. Um, And so over the next couple of days and weeks, um, we're going to be talking more about what that looks like in our church body. And for many of you, you have been stirred. I want to invite you to come Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. We don't currently have child care. I know for some of you that's prohibitive. Um, And if that's you and you're like, hey, I want to come, but I have kids and I don't know what to do. Would you reach out to us? Just email or text me or call me and let me know so that we can begin to think through how we're going to do that as a church. Uh,